Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. Welcome to the Anchors. If, if, if this is your first time, I'd love to meet you after church for a moment in the cafe. And uh, just to talk with you for a moment, have a gift for you. I'd love to get to know you. For all the faithful saints of God and those who are here, we're so glad you're here. Amen. There's nothing like church. There's nothing like going to the house of God. Can you say amen? And I'm thankful for you. I want you to know all of you that are here today. I'm so thankful for you. Your faithfulness, how you love the Lord. And I look forward to, I look forward to Sundays all week long. I know you do too, don't you? People tell me, they say, when I go to church on Sunday, my weeks go better. How many can witness that today? Putting the Lord first. Amen. I rejoice in my wife's miracle. Man, it just moves me. I remember when that accident happened. I remember it. I mean, a lot of people were praying. And God gave her a miracle. Still has her leg and able to worship. Amen. Take care of me. Bless God. 2 Kings chapter 2 had something funny happen this morning. I was... you don't have to avoid me. I just think it was this morning, but I was sneezing and uh, and I was listening to Alexander Scorby. How many's ever listened to Alexander Scorby? Uh, if not, it's a great app. And uh, when I don't know how to pronounce, pronounce words, you know, like Melchizedek, uh, we just trust that Alexander Scorby with his nice voice knows what he's saying. And uh, I listened to the King James Version and I was started sneezing this morning when I did because I was going to listen to the chapters that I was going to preach about. And uh, I started sneezing, and he came on, and he said, and he sneezed seven times. It was confirmation that I was in the will of God, I guess. I don't know. With that being said, 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. God was going to rapture Elijah. Sons of the prophets knew it. People in the area, they knew it was going to happen. It was not a secret that Elijah was going to be raptured by God. He went to Gilgal. Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Everybody say from Gilgal. Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. He said, You stay here, because God told me to go to Bethel. He said, I'm not leaving you. I'm going with you. Look at your neighbors and say, I'm going with you. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. I don't want to talk about him being taken. That's what he was saying. Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. He said, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not what? Leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? He said, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. I don't want to talk about him being taken. I don't want to talk about him being raptured. I may have loved ones that way. 
you've had loved ones that's went on before you. And um, saw Sister Charlotte here today. We miss Sister Akins. We miss her. She was um, an anchor to so many. And uh, hear her sing and listen to her pray and her phone calls. I know you miss her, Ashley and Jackson. And uh, it's not easy seeing a person like that leave. But what I've noticed is people like that leave something behind. They leave something behind. They don't just go. They leave a path to follow. One of the most powerful funerals I've ever been a part of was Sister Connie Akins. Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. He said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Everybody say, to Jordan. There's one word I'm going to preach about today that's been on my mind. It's the word lost. And uh, lost. I, I don't want to be lost. Lost is a place where you're somewhere. You really don't know where you are. You don't know where to go to. You don't know how to get to where you need to be. A place of being lost is a state. Is, you don't know where you are. You don't know how to get out of it. And uh, I don't want to ever put my children in that type of situation. That they end up at a place they don't know. They don't know how to get, it, get home. I want there to be a clear path on how to get where they need to get. And you say amen. That's what Elijah was doing for Elisha. When Elisha went with him, went from Gilgal, he went from Gilgal to Bethel, to Bethel, to Jericho, and Jericho to Jordan. You study, you'll find Elisha went in reverse order after he was taken. I preached to you today that there is a path that we can set for the next generation to never be lost. The Bible says if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. I believe that's why there's such an attack on the gospel, removing the Ten Commandments. Because now we live in a generation, younger generation, that the new fad is to be an atheist. Did you know that? It's a fad now. You're not cool if you're a Christian. You're only cool if you're not an unbeliever. That's not a good place to be. It took prayer out of the schools and look what's happened. Chaos, confusion. Amen. But somebody's got to stand up. This little light of mine. Can you say amen? It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. How many believe Jesus is the way? How many believe that? Would you clap your hands and say, Jesus is the way? Jesus is the way. You may be seated. My, I remember my dad telling me a story Years ago, and it, it happens to be deer season, I realized that tomorrow's the first day of gun season in Ohio. And I remember my dad years ago telling me about when he went to the National Forest in West Virginia, place that was unfamiliar. They had climbed back up on the mountain. When they got way back on the mountain and, and started getting dark, they'd hunted all day. And they came to what they thought was a familiar place. When they walked... Finally, they realized they were not where they were supposed to be. They ended up, finally heard cars and ended up on the road. And when they flagged somebody down, they said, we're lost. We don't know where to go. They said, we can't even describe where you parked your car, where, where you want to go. And they described it. It was nine miles 
away from where they began. They went down the wrong path. I think that without markers or some level of landmarks, that all of us trying to find our way can go down the wrong ridge. I've done that behind my house when at one point I hunted behind my house, had permission back there when the, when the gentleman was alive. And uh, I remember when I first went out and scouted, I got up there and got turned around and I ended up on a different road. It looked right, but the path led me the wrong way. There's a verse in the scripture that says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Followed the wrong path, maybe got the wrong leader, had a wrong friend, got connected to the wrong person, and you trusted them and they went the wrong direction. I think all of us in some way can relate with that. No right or wrong. Whether you're young, uh, maybe older, uh, you know, we, we talk about finding paths sometimes with just our youth, but the fact of the matter is I've seen people in their older age get connected to the wrong people and go down the wrong lane. Very true. Your friends determine your path. How I many know it's true? Who you follow is where you're going to end up. And uh, whether that is a person in school, a person in college, a person you meet in the career, a, a person you meet somewhere. And, and I think we've got to be careful who we follow. And I think we've got to be careful where we go. But I don't want to be that person that leads anyone ever astray. How about you? And I think not leading at all not leading at all could be just as bad. And when you find that, that there is a path that all of us are going to take, some path, if I'm not leading my family, somebody will. If I'm not leading my children, somebody's going to. It's going to create a void that somebody's going to get in their life and take them down some path and right or wrong, they're going to go down a path because we're not just sitting still, we're walking through life. And I mean, those 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 decisions become destinations. Is it right or wrong? Am I right or wrong? And so to lead is a mandate. To lead right. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I speak as a parent today. Of course, uh, not, not necessarily speaking as your pastor at the moment. I'm just speaking as being a parent. I'm speaking as being a friend. And now can I say as being a pastor? It would be, it would be wrong of me to go down the wrong road for the sake of self-gain for the sake of cultural influence, uh, because God's way does not always match up with culture. How many know that's very true? Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. And God had placed in Elijah's life, at a very critical moment in his life, uh, the next generation. Elijah was discouraged. Jezebel was a witch. She had said she was going to kill him. He ran from her. And probably one of the worst mistakes that Elijah ever made. He is a pretty great character in Scripture. It's hard to find a flawless character in Scripture. Very few of them. Joshua would have been one of them. We know Jesus is perfect in all his ways. Elijah was pretty flawless in a lot of ways. But when a, probably the worst mistake Elijah ever made. He's a man of God. The hand of the Lord was upon him. Chapter 18 Chapter 18 of 1 Kings ends by saying, and the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. The next chapter, verse 1 and 2, says, when Jezebel heard what Elijah had done to the Bell prophets, she sent a servant to him and said, so be it to me if you're not dead by this time tomorrow. He got scared. The Bible says when he saw it, 
not when he heard what she said, but when he saw what she was going to do. He told his servant, he told his servant, come, come here, Seth, you're going to be my servant for a minute. Another word for servant is minister. Somebody that ministers to you, cares for you. That, that, mean, that word does not mean enslaved or bondage of any way. It was a volunteer. Will you help me? Yes, I'll, I'll serve. I'll help you. Going to church isn't a, in a, a bondage. Singing in the choir and praise team. That's not bondage. You're not forced to be a Sunday school teacher or to go to the prayer room or even come. That, that door swings both ways, doesn't it? It lets you in and out. Can you say amen? We come, we serve one another, we pray for one another, not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to be a blessing to one another. Call up and say, call me anytime. I'll help you. Is there anything I can help you with? That's what a servant means. That's why in the Bible they had Jesus set them down and they, had, they washed feet. Why? As an act of servitude, saying, saying we serve one another. How many know we serve one another? Not just ourselves. We need, we need each other. The worst mistake I find Elijah committing is when Jezebel came against him and he got discouraged that he, he told his servant, he said, you stay there. You go over there and stay while I go yonder, while I go to this place. He walks away alone. One of the most dangerous places you will ever be is alone. You'll make decisions alone you would never make in the, in the company of accountability. No matter how old you are. Well, I'm old enough now. I'm wise enough now. You're also vulnerable enough now. No person alone is strong alone. Two is better than one. If one could put a thousand to flight, two could put 10,000 to flight. And the worst thing you can do is isolate. We live in a generation that has more connections than ever before, but they stay in their bedroom hidden behind a screen. Isolated with connections. Somebody told me about somebody that had 10,000 people connected to their social media and they didn't have one friend. Connected, but isolated. And young people, isolation, isolation will always bring depression. Isolation will always bring uh, insecurity because you don't think well when you're constantly alone. God didn't design us to be by ourselves. Companionship and friendship is a gift. And on this Thanksgiving weekend, I'm thankful that God has given me great friends. Great friends. A friend loveth at all times. And so what I'm saying is he should have never left him there. He should, say, he should have said, I'm troubled. I'm discouraged. I don't leave my side. But instead, he isolated. I've noticed, and thank you, Seth, for helping me. But I've noticed over the years when God was getting ready to do something great in my life, that isolation was, the atmosphere of isolation, separation was very close to me. I started pushing people out of my life. Because isolation comes when greatness is about to happen. And I went even to district conferences where God was getting ready to speak to me. I didn't know it, but I got to the hotel room and I said, Honey, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go tonight. She said, We drove all the way to the conference. Thank God for wives. Amen. We've driven all the way here. What do you mean you're going to stay in the hotel room? I don't know. I just went, Okay, I'll go. I'll go there and get the word for the Lord. I went to one conference, got the confirmation word to, to plant the church in Crooksville. You got to be careful to deal with isolation. You got to conquer isolation by saying, no, I'm not staying home from church. No, I'm not staying home from the family event. 
Come on, this is good teaching. I'm not going to be here by myself and sulk and feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to end up. I'm not going to end up under a juniper tree asking God to take my life because I don't have anything left. That's not of God. If you isolate, you'll end up in a juniper tree. I mean, it's, it, it, a juniper tree looks like one of these trees they put up here. You, you know, you're in bad shape when you're camping out under this tree. Shading yourself from the hot summer sun. When you find comfort in that, you're in bad shape. Isolate yourself. Go through things in life. Feel like nobody loves you. Nobody wants you around. That is not true. You walked away from somebody that volunteered their life to care for you, to encourage you, to water your hands, to help you through life, and you told them to stay over there. Don't tell people that love you to stay away. No, you pick up that phone and say, we need to go to lunch, we need to have breakfast, I need you in my life, I need you talking to me, I don't wanna be by myself. Somebody say amen. Isolation is elimination. You can get isolated. Isolated, you'll be eliminated. That's what's happened in our culture. We've allowing young people to isolate. Oh, I feel like preaching to you for a minute. They hide behind video games. They hide behind social media pages. They hide behind all by themselves, connected to people all over the world. They've got these acquaintances and no friends. They, they game with people they'll never meet. And here they are, they're isolated, and they're depressed, they're distraught, and watch, they don't want to live. Coach, you're 86 years old now. Am I right? Great friend of mine. The young people are dealing with things today that when you were the athletic director, driver's ed teacher, and on and on the coach, didn't deal with back then. To have connection was to be in person. Not now. To, to be connected. I told somebody this morning, have you ever noticed that fads change? You ever noticed this? We went from um, telegraphs and Morse codes I said, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Forgive me. Spirit of sarcasm came over me there. but Oh, then they came up with this amazing thing. It's called a telephone. Mary, would you connect me to? I'm watching too much Andy Griffith. Would you connect me to Switchboard? you heard their voice across the phone. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. Instead of that stinking Morse code thing we've been dealing with. Oh, it's so good. Instead of getting a letter in the mail. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, we went from that. You know what we've done? We went back to Morse code. It's called texting. <laughs> Young people will sit three feet apart and text each other. Use your vocal cords. Oh, it's the truth. And we've gotten away from being together. You see that baptismal up there? I thought about getting one where the preacher doesn't have to get wet. But I thought to myself, the Bible says they both went down into the water. We live in a phone tree, texting, disconnect. Don't, don't bother me with more than a, 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 a hundred character text message. Keep it short because I'm isolated. We don't think right. There is power in your presence. Don't ever say, if I stay home from church, they'll never know. 
That's not ever a statement from God. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. See that camera right there? I'm so glad everybody that's tuned in is going to watch this or podcast who's going to hear it. The camera church isn't good enough. Watching from home is temporary. The Bible says to assemble yourselves. See, I haven't even got on my message. I haven't even got the Second Kings chapter 2. My land, y'all must need this. Somebody must have stayed home from Thanksgiving dinner and didn't eat enough turkey and you need me in your life. Amen. There's power in being together. There's something happens. You can feel a human spirit. You can feel the presence of your brother or sister. And for the devil to say you're not needed and you, you don't come, but you need to be in the house of God. You need to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You need somebody in your life. You need the church in your life. You need your mom in your life. You need your dad. You need your brother. You need your sister. Come on. You need somebody in your life. Somebody next to you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you near me. Now straighten up. Look at him say, straighten up now, but you got to be near me. I need you acting right. Hey, how many times have you ever been discouraged and you got in the presence of somebody? The, the Bible says that, that bitter herbs in a house of friends is better than a stalled, a stalled ox in a house full of contention. Let me interpret that. Bad food and good company is better than filet mignon with contentious people. Now, when you're together, you need to have camaraderie. Don't talk about things that are divisive. You need to talk about things that are comforting and warming. Don't get together and fight. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being together. And when Elijah came to a critical moment in his life, he almost made the worst, he made the worst mistake in his life when he said, you stay there while I'll go yonder. Hides under a juniper tree. Angel comes and feeds him bread. Kicks him a meal with hot coals from under the tree. Angel cooks him hot coals. Gives him hot coal, fixes a meal, hot coals, and pours him water and serves him. And he doesn't even say, hello. You're in bad shape when an angel is feeding you and you don't even say hi. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because when you get isolated, here's what's going to happen. When isolated people always put on a lens. And... Uh, You look the same with them on and with them off. I don't know if that means I'm getting older or what. I don't know what that means. But an isolated lens, watch what isolation always does. Isolation has two lenses. On one side, it magnifies your problem. And on the other side, it blurs your promises. Isolation will always magnify what's wrong in your life and will blur everything good in your life. And if you want to be happy, don't isolate. Well, don't, don't tell me, well, that's my personality. It's not. It's not. It, God didn't design that in anybody. Anytime there's isolation, it's because the devil's trying to eliminate. And the devil's trying to eliminate an entire generation among it. That's why suicide is so rampant. Because they're isolating behind a facade of social media, wanting people to like them and feeling judged. Bullies can't get away from bullies because it's no longer at the school. It follows them to their house on social media and they're hiding behind walls and screens and games. But you know why? Because the devil always tries to destroy a generation that's gonna change their world. He did it when Moses was born. He tried it when Jesus was born. And this is a generation that's going to change their world and he's trying to destroy them with isolation and I say no, 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 no. We need each other. Mom and daddy do everything you can. Grandma and grandpa do everything you can to get the young people to the house of God, to get them with their friends, to get them in the present. We need each other.
I want you to shout it with me. We need each other. My goodness, we need one another. You'll get more out of a good friendship than you can ever get out of alcohol. Ever get out of drugs, ever get out of money, ever get out of career. It's the camaraderie of a friend. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, amen. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. You lose a, and I was talking about Charlotte being here, and I know it's so awesome to see family. I want them to stay, I honor Honor to the Aikens family. I want them to stand. I want them to stand. I'm so glad y'all are here. I'm so glad you're here. When we moved here, we didn't have family. Sister Aikens made us feel like family. She brought us to our house and watched our kids and gave our kids bad food. <laughs> They'd be drinking a Coke when I got back to pick them up. Amen. She said, y'all go on a date. Big mommy's going to take care of them. She'd buy them dresses, made us feel comforted because we were strangers in town. Still people say, where are you from? Zanesville, they say, no, you're not. <laughs> Sorry. What will isolation do? It will what? Two things. You watch it. Watch what happens when you get by yourself. You'll magnify everything wrong in your life and you'll blur everything good in your life. That's what's happening in the entire generation. Everybody, every college student needs to hear this. Every young adult needs to hear this. Every teenager needs to hear what I'm saying. Are you ready? I want you to listen to me. You are valuable. There is greatness in your life. I'm telling you, I don't care how young you are. There is power in you. You're smarter. You've got, you've got intelligence. You've got great quit hiding behind screens and make a friend. Come on, somebody help me preach right now because God's getting ready to do something great in this nation and he's gonna do something great for this generation. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. Can you believe? Can you believe what Elijah did? He went from a juniper tree and left, oh, ate one meal, ate one meal. It went all from a meal to a cave. You know what? I've learned about isolation. You don't eat good. One meal for 40 days. Ends up in a cave. And he's down there sulking behind some cave. And God speaks to him and says, Elijah. Where's Elijah at? Come here, Denver. You look like Elijah. Pick your head out. Get behind that wall right there. Go on. Zoom in on that camera. Watch, just pick your head out of there. <laughs> that strike me so funny. Pick your head out. You got zoomed in on this. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing in that cave? Well, I'm just feel, I just feel sorry for you, God. Feel sorry for me? Why? Because I'm the only one that loves you and lives for you. Nobody but me. Almost like God saying, that's dumb. <laughs> Watch what isolation would do. I'm the only one going through this. Nobody else knows what I'm going through. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. All things are common to man. And what happens, you think that your life is worse because you're all by yourself. News break, we're all been going through things. 
But the ones that are going to get through it are the ones that are going to come out of that cave and get with people that think right, that'll help speak into their life and say, this is not how we do things around here. Get out of that cave. Get out of that cave. Come here. You don't belong in a cave. I'll put a mantle on you that's powerful. Now, here's what I want you to do. This thing ain't going to die with you. Listen, there's still more in you. There's still, you're trying to die. You're asking me to kill you. Get out of that cave and go do the work that I called you to do. There's, there's 7,000 that haven't been their need of bail. There's a whole generation that wants to live right. There's a whole generation that wants to live for God. Come on, I feel like preaching. Only thing we hear about is liberal colleges and liberal professors. Don't forget about all those amazing Christian students that show up and say, I'll live for God despite the darkness around me. I'll do what God wants me to do. He said, here's what I want you to do. There's three people I want you to know. Haziel, Jehu, and Elisha. I want you to go, Haziel, Jehu, and Elisha. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to go, I want you to go find Elisha. And he does. He leaves and he goes, finds Elisha. Come here, Elisha. Ben, you're going to be my Elisha. You don't look like a farmer, but you're getting ready to be one. Have you ever plowed with, plowed with an ox? I didn't think so. Ken and Lisa, has he ever plowed with cattle? I don't think he's, he's never done it. You ever run a tiller? Oh, my lands. Help him, Lord, be a farmer. <laughs> hey, all right, stay right there. You're working with 12, 12 yoke of oxen. That means there's 24 oxen. You're at the 12th. That means you're standing at the front. And you're working with 12 yoke of oxen. And God tells this guy, just, you're, you're, keeping your dad, you're keeping your dad's field and harvesting. God tells, can you take your coat off? Is that all right? That's going to be your mantle. You right doing that? You don't have any bricks in there or anything, do you? You have any keys? Take your keys out because you got to hit him with the mantle. Uh, Sister Emily, are we updated on our, on our in, insurance policy? Amen. Here, he walks by him, he takes his mantle, put the mantle over your, don't hit him too hard, but just, when you walk by, smite him on the shoulders. Oh, my lands, not in the face, not in the face. We got to do this again. I mean, we got to do it right. And, and he smites him, and he smites him on the back. And that was good enough. And he keeps on walking. Watch this. Keep walking. When he smites him, the Bible says that he, well, walk down this way. Go, go down that way. You got to keep on walking. The Bible says he stopped what he was doing and he ran after him. Run. He ran. Watch. He said, I want to go with you. I don't find where he asked him to go with him. I don't find where he begged him to go with him. All I find is that he was just doing what God told him to do and he obeyed and he's, when he hit him with a mantle, something turned over in him. And when it turned over in him, he got up and went. And he said... Just give me time to kill the cow and to burn the plow and to tell my parents goodbye because I'm going with you. Something happened when he felt the anointing that was on the prophet of God. See, church is not about having a history lesson. Church is not about hearing stories. Church is about faith being lifted to a point that the Spirit of God moves in such a way that they feel something they can't feel at the mall, they can't feel at a game, they can't feel at the shop, they can't feel just with friends, that there's something more to church than just a gathering of people. That there's the presence of God. 
Ben, you know what I'm talking about because you felt that mantle. You felt the touch of God. And you know what it does? He kills a cow. He burns a plow. And everywhere Elijah goes, now he follows him. I want you to follow Elijah. Now, come, back, come back this way. And you'll find that Elijah and Elisha take a journey. He's with him and for, for, for several chapters until 2 Kings chapter 2 do we find Elisha disappear. And you'll find out where he goes. Come up here and stand beside me. Wherever Elijah goes, Elisha goes. Can I say there is a generation, you don't have to beg them to go to church. You don't have to beg them to follow, beg them to read their Bible, beg them. I'm going to tell you when you have to beg them is when there's no anointing in their life. There's no spirit of God moving. There's none of that in their life. But you give me a move of God, I'll show you young people say, I'll go. I'll go on the missions trip. I'll be holy. I'll be righteous. I'll go to the altar. Come on. Come on, anchor. I'll make a promise to you. We're not just going to have a church. We're going to have a move of God. We're going to have the anointing of the Lord. We're going to let God's spirit move among us. I'm not so sure that Elisha wouldn't have been there at Mount Carmel. I'm gonna preach about it tonight. But Elisha wouldn't have been there at Mount Carmel when he prayed and the fire of God came down and consumed up on the altar and watched an entire nation bow before God and repent and say, the Lord, he is the God. I wonder if there was something in him that from the time he was a boy, 10 years 10 years prior at Mount Carmel when the children of Israel had gathered that there was something in him that had seen the fire fall from a prophet of God that he said I wonder if God could ever use me I wonder how many people come to church and when they see a move of God or a healing or a miracle they say I want God to do that in me I want God to do that in my family I want God to move in my life is there anybody here that says I want to be used of God I'm gonna preach here for the next few minutes and I'll be done. But I come to tell you, there's no time for dead church, dry church, boring church, and nothing happening. We've gotta have a move of the Holy Ghost. We've gotta have a move of God. And so he follows him. And I got, I got a little ways to go, but watch this. He's, he's at Gilgal. Gilgal, the Bible says when Elisha's with him, here's my text. Look at your neighbor and say, you need me in your life. Turn around to somebody else and say, you need me in your life. And it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah, he's going to be raptured out of here, by a whirlwind. How many's ever heard he went up in a fiery chariot? How many's ever heard he rode up in the chariot? Nope. He went up in a whirlwind. They were so close, it took a fiery chariot to separate them. So he didn't only take one of them and not both of them. That's how close they were. Stay with me. Are y'all ready? Can I preach a little bit more? Watch this. It's powerful. So he's at Gilgal. Get back over. He's at Gilgal. Where is Gilgal? He's got him specifically at Gilgal. Because he knows he's not always going to be in his life. That there's going to be a day and time that he's going to be by himself without the fatherhead in his life leading him. All of us, at some point, are going to have the absence of our earthly father, earthly mother, or spiritual father. I mean, that's true. Elisha calls him father, but it wasn't a biological father. It was a spiritual leader in his life. The Lord tarries as young as I am. That felt good to say. 
won't be here. Lord tarries, I'll pass before you. Lord tarries, I'll pass before you. God forbid I go and leave no path for you to follow. Lost in a world of opportunity and no direction on what I need to do, where to go. That's why he, in chapter 2, verse 1, has him at Gilgal. And I'm going to tell you why. Because at Gilgal, watch, Gilgal is a place that's so specific. Gilgal, let this be my altar. Come here, both of you, come to Gilgal. Gilgal has 12 stones set there. Matter of fact, walk down here. Twelve, everybody say 12 stones. 12 stones were taken from the Jordan River and were placed in a town called Gilgal. And it was here. Come here. I'm going to be your voice to him. Now, Elisha, listen. I'm taking you here because, see these stones? They were from the Jordan River. The Jordan River stopped flowing when Joshua followed Moses. And after Moses was taken, Joshua went down the Jordan River and it's right here. See those stones? It was from the Jordan River. Because when he stepped out in that water, they stepped out with that Ark of the Covenant, the Jordan River stopped flowing and the entire nation of Israel followed him across on dry ground into the Promised Land. Don't ever forget what God did for Moses, He did for Joshua. And God said to Joshua, from this day forward, the reproach of Israel has been removed because the last person, doubters, Children of Israel died in the wilderness after, after 40 years. And this day, this altar marks a spot that what God can do in Moses, He can do in you, but also He removes every reproach from your life. Isn't it awesome that we have a place that we can go to? That mom and daddy didn't live right. Mom and daddy didn't do right at some point in their life. But now they're holy and they're righteous. They live pure lives. And they can look at their children and say, I didn't always live this way. I had to be forgiven too. I needed salvation too. My wife gives her testimony about God didn't only heal her leg, but he saved her heart. Spiritual heart that wasn't right. Come on, how many of you needed forgiven? How many of you, God brought out a sin in a wrong way? Can I get a witness from somebody? And so Elisha, listen, there's a place in God that reproach can be removed. That you can walk on from here to Bethel. And watch what happens. He said, we're going to go from Gilgal. And we're going to go, over the, go. I'm going to go to Bethel. Uh, for God has called me to Bethel. Come here, come here. He tells him, he said, go over there and stay. I want you to stay over there while I go yonder. But hold on. He said, I'm not leaving you. I'm going with you. Because there's a generation that won't stay. There's a generation that says, you can tell me to stay, but I'm going where you go. Come on, I feel this right now. I'm not leaving the preacher by himself. I'm not letting him preach by himself. I'm not letting him pray by himself. I'm not letting him have revival. Yep. Hey, I'll be there Sunday morning. I'll be there Sunday night. I'll be there Wednesday night. Hey, I'm going to be there. If he calls revival, I'm going to be there. But I'm not leaving my pastor. I'm not leaving the man of God. If you go, and you know what? He went with him to Bethel. When he gets to Bethel, there's another altar. And at Bethel, there's an altar. It means the house of God. The house of God represents the presence of God. And he sits down and somewhere here, he tells him, listen, Elisha, I got something to tell you. 
Gilgal removes your reproach. There's an altar where reproach can be removed. But listen, there's a place in God, the house of God, to where you can have the presence of God in your life. You can have a walk with God. God's not somewhere off on the throne up in heavens that he's so far away from you that you can't feel him. Oh, no. It was at Bethel that Jacob built an altar before God and God appeared to him. There's a place in God that you can have a relationship with God. Are y'all hearing me preach? I'm talking about there's an altar you can repent at. But there's also a house of God that you can experience a relationship with him. That you can walk with him day after day, week after week. How many believe this here today? Somebody shout Bethel. And he tells Elisha, he said, oh, he said, I've, I'm getting out of breath. He says to him, he says, the Lord has called me to go to Jericho. You stay here while I go to Jericho. Going to Jericho. You know what he does? He goes with him. I'm not leaving you. I got to hear about these things. He gets to Jericho. Well, here's Jericho. You need me in your life. You know that? You're going to miss Jericho moment. Jericho, what does it represent? It's the first of 10 cities. It's the tithe city, some call it. But it's a city where there were walls that were before them and the promised land. And what they did, watch what he's telling them. Remember old Jericho? Joshua fought the battle at Jericho. And what else? And the walls came tumbling down, down, down. And the walls came tumbling down. You'd play good on the guitar if that one. But watch what happens. When they shouted, walls came down. Don't ever forget, there's power in lifting your voice to God. Family crisis, shout. Chaos in the nation, go to church and shout. There's things coming against you, be like the guy that's, that, 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 that's gonna break block with his hand. Yeah! Don't just go to church. There's a time for sound. There's a time to lift up your voice and shout because God has given you victory. You can have victory. I don't care how bad the enemy, what's going on in your, there's power in a shout. There's power lifting your voice before God. Come on, is there anybody in the building that you see victory in a shout? Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. They didn't say hallelujah. They shouted hallelujah. And when they lifted their voice and shouted, the Bible says, and the walls came tumbling down. I come to tell you, there's victory in worship. There's victory in praise. There's victory in man. Won't you jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout, the Lord is good. Amen. There's nothing wrong with a shout. Victory is in your future. Gotta remove the reproach. There's a place of relationship with God. When you lift your voice, God will respond to you. He said, I want you to stay right here. I'm almost done. I want you to stay right here. The Lord told me to go to Jordan. And they go to Jordan. Everybody shout, shout go to Jordan. Uh, sit down so you can see. They go to Jordan. When they go, you got to go to Jordan with him. Amen. I know Jericho's good, but Jordan's even better. When they go to Jordan, and he comes to the, you gotta get your mantle off, Jordan. Come on this side, Elijah and Elisha, come over here. I'm gonna show, show you what happened in the Bible story. He's walking down, he comes to the Jordan River. Come on this side. Ready? That stream's flowing right down through there. You see that stream? Huh? Walk up to that stream. Go on, go on. Oh, no, 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 no. You're gonna get your feet wet. Pull your mantle back. Pull your mantle back. And I want you to smite the water. 
That's good. Do it harder. Harder. Smite the water. When he smote the water, the Bible says they walked across from dry ground. Come on. You know what happened to him when he saw that? Looked like Garfield's dog. Boom. Tongue rolled out. Miracles. I, I knew, I felt something. But I didn't realize I was going to see this type of stuff. Church shouldn't be a place where you go and fall asleep. It ought to be a place where they see the power of God. Supernatural. The wind of God, the fire of God, the breath of God. Come on, I, I don't want to go to church where I can't see miracles. Where God's not moving. Can't feel a touch of God. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody in the building? And when he sees it, when he sees it, there's something happened inside of him. He gets to the other side and he said, all right, I'm about to be taken from here. And he looks down, he looks down and there are stones sticking out of that water. Still 12 big stones that are there. And I can imagine that he would have said, what mean these stones? What do these stones mean? And he says to him, have I not told you? This is where God parted the water for Joshua just like he did Moses. Don't ever forget what he did for Joshua, he can do for you. You see, one of the reasons that the youths are struggling because they do not feel any purpose. That's why evolution is raging because it says you were formed out of something without design. Just an accident. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm on this. I'm just here. Just coexist. Just, just try to survive through life. Just try to make a living and die. It's not what God called you to do. God's got better things in store. I said God's got better things in store. Lauren, God's got better things in store. Do you believe that? If you believe it, I want you to shout, Amen! Amen. And watch what happens. He says, what I mean, that's where God part of the waters. And he said, listen, before I leave, before I leave, is there anything I can do? Watch what he says. Will you let me go home? That's not what he said. He said, Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. What God's done in you, I want to be done in me. I want a double portion. Watch. When he said double portion, he wasn't just saying twice as much power, twice as many miracles. What he was saying was this. Anytime you ask for the double portion, you're asking to be a son, the first son. And a first son in the family carries on the tradition and the business of the father. That was biblical principle. That was Jewish tradition. What that meant was if you had 10 sons, you divided 11 ways, and you give two of them, which is double portion, to the oldest son. All other children can live their own life, start their own career, but you as the oldest son, the double portion son, would have to live his life in his absence. Meaning whatever he did, how he lived, that's how you would act and how you would live. No matter what. Your life wasn't your own. You gave your life to be about your father's business. And that's why Elijah said it's a hard thing. What you've asked is a hard thing. Not because twice as much power is hard. Is there anything too hard for God? It's going to be hard. Because you have to self-deny yourself what you want to become what God wants you to be. Hallelujah. I want to live a life 
that's so salty and powerful that my kids don't want another life. Did you hear me? They don't want a life away from church, a life away from God, a life doing anything else. And that's what he was saying. That's what Elisha was saying. I want to live your life. I'll give up everything. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I want to do this. And what I'm saying is, don't have to be lost. Why? Because he's taken him to Gilgal. He's shown him the way to Bethel. He showed him the way to Jericho. And he showed him the way to Jordan. You know what happened? And then he was raptured. You, you ready? You're going to be raptured. Leave. Disappear into the heavens. Look what happens. He's gone. But there's something that leaves with you. The anointing, the call of God, the ministry, the purpose, the destiny is left for you. The power of God. You will not be by yourself. It's not going to fall on you. It's going to fall near you. Some people think, well, it's just going to happen because I'm the preacher's kid. It's just going to happen because my, my grandpa's a pastor. It's just going to happen because it doesn't happen that way. Well, it's just going to happen because I'm fourth generation. No, 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 no. It doesn't just fall on you. You got to go after it. Anything that's going to be successful isn't going to just fall in your lap. You got to go get it for yourself. You got to work for it. Go get it. Go get it, Ben. Go get it. Come on, how many of you young people want it? How many of you young people want God to be in your life? How many of you parents want God to be in your family? How many of you want to move a God in your marriage? You can have it if you want it. Come on. Come on, Ben. And watch what happens. He walks back down. He carries that mantle. He carries that mantle. Hold it right there. He goes back down to the Jordan River. And watch what happens. He goes to Jordan. You ready? Right here, we're, this is going to be the new Jordan. This, we're just going to go here. We're not going back down there. Smite the Jordan. He says, where's the God of Elijah? When he does the water and he walks across on dry ground. You know where he goes to next? He goes to Jericho. You know where he goes to next? He goes to Bethel. You know what he was doing? He was following the road that was left for him to follow. You know I'm here? Because I had a daddy that paved the way for me. I had a mother that showed me the way. I had somebody that built some altars that I can still see. 43 years later, I still, got a, I still have a Gilgal. I've got a Bethel. There's a Jericho victory in my life and there's a Jordan River where what God did for my dad, he can do in me. Come on, is there anybody here that says I'm here because somebody paved the way? Somebody made a way. Somebody made a path for me. Let's all stand that come to the music. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't have to worry about being lost, Elisha. Because somebody knew they were going to be taken. And they said, I'm going to pave a path. I'll finish the message tonight. I'll finish it tonight going to Mount Carmel. Because that's where he went to after this. But tonight, today in this service, the altar calls different. Because I've got a strong question for you. What kind of path are you leaving for those that follow you? Or is there no path? Is there a path? Or is there no path? But when they get old, they'll figure it out themselves. That's not biblical and that's not even logical. Somebody's going to step in their life. Somebody's going to lead them. I promise you, it's not just going to be a circle of nothing. There is going to be a path led by somebody. Woo! God have mercy. Ah, I don't want my children not to know where to go. Can I tell you today, I'm glad my daddy, when he spanked me when I got in trouble, he didn't just spank me. He took me to the coffee table and said, now you need to get forgiven by God. 
And I grew up realizing I don't have to run from him. If I make a mistake, I can run to him. Come on, don't run from God, run to God. Come on, you might've made a failure of things, but it's not over yet. I'll never forget, I'll never forget the story, Elisha. I just felt to use you today because I believe the hand of the Lord's on your life. How many believe that? Amen, I believe that. You're a great representation of this church and the Lord and these young people. My dad tells a story of a lady one time that was a, the, the apartment complex was on fire. She had several children in that house. And the flames were on the inside. She's looking down on a crowd of spectators doing everything she could and she would throw the babies out the window hoping somebody would catch her babies because the flames were so intense. And she would shout, who's gonna catch my children? Who's gonna catch my children? Who's gonna catch my children? And I stay, say before you, we're living in a generation that's lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know, they don't know where to go. But there's a lighthouse on the sea of life today. And Jesus is that lighthouse from the storms of life. Amber, I know you're going through a lot in your family, in the Saxon family. You remember this, you can't blame God. Sometimes life happens. What you need is direction from the Lord. You be a light to your family and pray for them that they'll be comforted during this hard time, all right? Because God hears you when you pray, Amber. God hears you. How many believe God hears us when we pray? The most fulfilling thing in life is knowing where you're going. Not this number. Don't know where to go. Whole generation doesn't know what to do. No direction. We know where to go. God sent you to this church so you can build a path to the next generation to catch what you've got to follow back in this great glorious life. I'm going to tell you right now, honey, I didn't dream when I gave my life to the Lord it'd be this, this good, this amazing. But it's the best life. So, Elisha, nothing like it. Hope when you're 43 and I'm 70. That you'll realize how powerful this is. Because it's not just for youth. It's for old people. It's for kids. I found a better way. How many of you came in and were in the wrong way, but you found a better way? How many found a better way? Come on, be honest with me. There's a better way. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Jesus is the only way to the better way. Praise God. He's the only way. Cindy, come here for a minute. something ever happened to me I'd hope our babies would know they can come back to God and not have any reproach hope every Sunday and Wednesday they want to be at the house of God because it's not just formality it's a relationship it's a service to the Lord and to each other I hope they'll understand that when they worship something happens when they're of age ministry is going to be laid in their lap 
that they realize what God did in daddy, he can do in them. And that when they get a hold of the ministry God's put them on, they will know they can always go to Jericho. They can always go to the house of God. And they can always be forgiven. And that there's a Mount Carmel revival waiting on them. I'm so glad you came back to church. What you know that? Carolyn, I'm so glad there was a way back for you. Forty years away, there was a path laid for you to come home. And there's people, if you're watching online, feel isolated, alone, away from God, please know. Come here, Carolyn. There's a way home. There's a path back to God. I'm here because Grandma made a way. I'm here because Daddy made a way. I'm here because somebody that went ahead of me said there's a path to come back and that's why I'm here. How many are here because somebody made a way for you? Hallelujah. If you're here today and you want to come home, you say, there's an altar I need to visit. I want you to come right now. Come on, one of these altars maybe you haven't been to, you need to go to. I want you to come. If you're here today and you say, I need an altar in my life. I need to be forgiven. I want to be removed from any reproach or mistake I've ever made. Come on. Come on, all over this building. I don't beg you. I just invite you. I invite you. There's a landmark that's placed for you. But Nehemiah, help us in the altar. Come on, we ought to thank God for this. There's a way home. Don't have any peace in your life? Right there it is. All the peace you ever need is in an altar of repentance. There's a Gilgal for you that says, hey, you can have it all washed away. It's a place of separation, a new beginning. Come on, there's others. Anybody else said today, I'll start a new life. Today, I'm going down the right path. I'm changing my ways to do the right way. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to set landmarks for my kids to come back and hopefully never leave. If you're here as a parent and you want to place landmarks that are strong and anchored years later, Gilgal altar and Jordan altar was 400 plus years old that could still be visibly seen. Hundreds of years even after that they were still in the Jordan River. Stones, 12 stones left for generations to say what God did for them He can do for you. If you're here and you want to leave a landmark so people can find their way home that are following you, I want you to come to this altar. Come on. I'm going to leave a better way. I'm leaving a landmark for my babies. I'm leaving landmarks. I'm going to leave a good way for them. I'm going to leave the best way for them. Not just a way, but Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.